0: I'm going to start it off uh, in the opposite way today. Usually we wait at the end, right before we give our recommendations, we thank our Patreon supporters, but I want to do that right at the top of the show, uh, just to make sure that they know how grateful we are for them. We got a lot of people over there, I I would give you a number, but I don't have it, Um, of the number of people that help us out at different levels, a dollar, $5, $30, whatever, and they're all awesome. They all get the after show, which is more of us talking. Usually Jimmy's talking about some cryptic um, <laughs> thing. I don't, really I don't even to want to it like, get into. anymore. <laughs> uh, but usually there's secret stuff, and we'll talk about upcoming <laughs> stuff in that after show. It's a separate feed, in case you're not aware. Uh, but also, it's just an awesome group of people, and uh, we're really grateful for them. Uh, our top supporters over there are Albert's Woodworks, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from ManCrafting, you can make this too. Maker in training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Design, and Odin Leather Goods. Thank you. Thank you, guys, you. There's a whole bunch much. of other people, and uh, yeah, we're really grateful for everybody. And if you want to join that crew, help us out. Go to Patreon.com/slash Making It, or and I always bring this up because I think it's something we don't really take advantage of. Apparently, leaving reviews. On iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts really helps get the show in front of other people like it lets people know that it's good or bad so only leave good reviews of course but it puts it in front of people who might like it which would get us more people to Mm -hmm. listen which is a bigger community and so that's awesome so if that's something you're into that's free and it would be really helpful something that I haven't brought up to you guys yet
1: but Jimmy and I we share the same agent and Mm -hmm. i know uh this person's assistant has asked jimmy about sponsorships and asked for numbers for the show and jimmy says we don't do sponsorships blah 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 then they they came to me and asked me the same thing after they asked you i'm (laughs) like i we don't we don't do it But, but nice try
0: yeah it's not it's not worthwhile
2: i've talked about it before in the past and even with my other podcasts and i'm sure you guys hear it the sponsorship situation is always like for the first million, you get $10 or the first, you know, for the first 20,000 views. It's like, I don't understand why all these cockamamie uh, formulas apply to podcasts. It's like, it's like a performance based thing, which I guess I understand, but it's specifically to podcasts. Like every advertiser that comes to us is basically like. Well, if you get this many views, you'll get paid this much. And if you get this many listens, you get that much. If you get this many in the first 20 hours, you get this much. It's like, this is what the cost is. Take it or leave it. And that's what we always say back, which now we don't say anymore. But it's the same thing with my other podcasts. People always try and do this thing where it's like, well, if you get this many views per 10 minutes, I'm like, no, just give us this fee. And if the fee doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for us. Have a nice day. <laughs> I want <laughs> to break performance... I want to break that I want to break that like zombie trance that is wrapped around yeah. podcasts because it always is predicated on listens which I guess I understand it but it's not necessarily the same in, in YouTube It's not it's the problem with performance based advertising
1: is it's not always about performance. It, there's there's also brand awareness. Just because yeah. like you you, you you pound this brand's name into people's heads, and maybe they don't buy right away, but maybe down the road they think, oh, i got to go with this company because I've heard lots yeah. of people talk about them. They must be good. And so that brand See, awareness like, adds my, up over time.
2: I agree. My theory is give us this fee because Elon Musk might listen, and then all of a sudden whatever your product is going to be put in every Tesla, even though we got 10 views that week and one of them was Elon Musk. so you understand what i'm saying so i don't think performance-based stuff is a legitimate quantification of how valuable a show could be Mm -hmm. so there if you're listening and you want to do that to us Join our Patreon. Buzz off.
0: <laughs> Talking about the advertising. Well, I think it's, I mean, the Patreon thing is super cool for us because yeah. we don't have the pressure of like, okay, what can we talk about this week that's going to get the most people to yeah. freak out and pass it on to their friend. We can just like talk about the things that are interesting to us. We know that there's support there to just help us do this. We don't have to worry about it being a financial waste of time, even though it's still not a waste of time, you know. Um, so it's it's really awesome. And Elon Musk listens. Hey, Elon. What's up, Elon? (laughs) I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I just want to throw that out there ahead of time at the very beginning to let them know that we are grateful for them. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Hmm. What's
1: up? Dave? Um, Well, my... um, So, we did the, the... The video's not out yet. I hope maybe by the end of the week. I've been... I've been kind of lazy this last week um, There's other things going on But we did the prototype chair And I was in a hot debate with myself On whether or not to add the embellishments to that chair Or leave it as it is Because I thought it looked kind of cool as it is But I also wanted to do these other things to it And I made the decision to leave it as is So that video is complete I just got to shoot the ending and and, and put that out and then I have started, but not gotten very far, on version number two. I have this beautiful walnut slab. And I'm not really into slab furniture. Um, so I'm going to cut it up into pieces, and I can resaw it, and I can get the the legs and the seat out of it. And I've kind of honed the design a little bit more, so it doesn't look so... It, uh, it looks cool, but there's a, there's a computer-y drawing element to it that kind of bugs me so i i just kind of redrew it just a little bit to get rid of it give it some more um i guess Patruto feel to it and then for the dowels if you i mean nobody's seen this so but the most of it is made up of of dowels and on the second one i use pvc pipe it is such a cheap option and i was for a little bit i kind of wanted to do a stainless steel And I'm like, no, that'll get too expensive, and maybe it's too cold. And the alternative to that was conduit, electrical conduit, which is also super cheap. You get, like, a 10-foot thing for 4 bucks or whatever. Uh, And then settled for the PVC pipe because it's going to have, like, a brilliant white up against this walnut, that I think is going to look good. So I've started with that, and the problem with this one is it could totally fail because this slab I have has some weird grain in it. And then, you know, whenever you cut into that, it could just twist and, and bend and turn into a, a Pringle chip. So hopefully it doesn't. So that's kind of what we're working on now. And uh, hmm. yeah, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with the design. I I, I I fumbled a little bit or I, I, I kind of where your your bottom sits on there, I, I, I fix that curve just a little bit. And then where the back is, I move the curve down just a little bit just to make it a little bit more comfortable it's still i don't think it's going to be a chair that you want to sit in for hours because there's no cushion it's just kind of forms to your body
0: but as a dining chair i think it'll work just fine it's like a starbucks chair yeah like the starbucks chairs look really comfortable and then about three or four minutes in you're like ah yeah (laughs) yeah they do that on purpose so you don't stay in there Mm -hmm. What I
2: was going to say about furniture is that whenever you design chairs, I know my own personal experiences, you never know if you've made the right decision. That insecurity will sit with you forever. Mm. Like my stools, for sit instance. Sit with you. <laughs>
0: that's because it's
2: a chair. <laughs> They'll, it'll haunt you forever because every time I sit in my stool, uh, I made four of those stools and then I made four more for customers. And I was very anxious to send them out, hoping that they would be happy with the result. But that's the way I am with anything that I ever make for a customer. I'm always anxious. There's an anxiety of like, Oh, I hope I I fulfilled their expectations, but my stools, I made three of them. I made four of them. Three of them are here at my house. And one of them's in Taylor's design studio. And I was sitting in it last night and the whole time I'm sitting in it. My mind is just an autopilot going, maybe the foot rung's too low. Maybe the Mm -hmm. foot rung's too high. Maybe the, 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 the butt is too low. Maybe the butt's too high. Maybe when I grab on my fingers, it could have been a thinner, I can't stop it, so it's the same thing. Like when you're sitting in your rung chair, I'm sure you're having a very similar experience. You just can't yeah, stop, like you thinking, can't. Did I make the right decisions?
1: One hundred percent. I my my personal thought was, if I can sit in this chair without thinking about sitting in this chair, then I know I've done <laughs> uh, I've done it right. Hmm. But it's I can't possible. sit in it without judging, without feeling, yeah. without trying to figure out where to go next. It's, it's I don't know if I'll ever get to that that point. We do so, know. So
0: you bring Kelly in and you say, like, Kelly, here, have a seat in this chair and let's have a let's, conversation. Let's have a talk. Yeah. And you just talk to her about something <laughs> and then you time how long before she starts like, yeah, yeah fidgeting around and like, That's is there another chair idea. I can sit in? Yeah, right, right.
2: <laughs> age. Did you make a different chair? I could sit in that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: In the, um, in the first video, um, I talk about how I always set myself up for success, which I I always know what the product is gonna or the project is gonna look like when it's done. And I make sure I have everything. And 99.9% of the time, the project is a success. And this is the one time I've set myself up for failure, just mentally, just to under like, if it doesn't work, there's still a video, you still learn something, you can still enhance this in the future. And uh, it was a weird experience and it was fun. It was definitely fun. And it's a really easy project.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so, question about the uh, the PVC. Are you using the same diameter as the dowel? <sighs> so, I'm a moron. How's that going to work? <laughs> um, I, I'm, a, I'm, a,
1: I'm a total moron. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, so, this version 2 is... Uh, the, the the first version was hand cut with a jigsaw and then a uh, template bit with the router to do the thing. This version 2, this project calls for a CNC. So... Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be a CNC video because it comes out of the slab. So I got to cut the pieces out of the slab, do the resaw and flattening and and, and then all that. And then the actual shape will be cut out with the CNC. And so when I went to go buy the PVC pipe uh, in the first version, I used three quarter inch dowels. So I went and I got three quarter inch PVC pipe, five 10 foot tubes. (laughs) Uh, Climsy, right, and I, and I come home. That's the inside diameter, not the outside diameter. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, so I I went back, and it only cost like nine bucks for them. So I'm like, I kept them. I'm like, I'll use them for something. And so I went and got the half inch, which is the outside diameter is a little bit closer to three quarters of an inch, just just a little bit a little bit bigger. But since I'm using a CNC, I can make that hole any
2: size that oh. I want. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever you okay. deal with plumbing, you always learn something that you should have known, but you just never, ever did. Every, every time. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I think that somebody may correct me, but I think the general rule is anything that flows through the inside of the tube is measured on the inside. And then construction... Tubing, metal tubing for metal work is measured on the outside diameter. And I know there's huh. weird cases, but
0: yeah. See, I didn't that even know that. Totally makes sense. They should just put that on a sign in the <laughs> store so that everybody knows that because that yeah. is really logical and would save us. Well, ask, ask the
2: guy in the orange apron as if he knows. Yeah, right. Huh. Huh. You feel like when you walk through Home Depot, everybody in orange apron just seems like an outpatient, just wandering uh. around. <laughs> Like they pulled up to their car, put on an apron, and just decided to just walk around inside Home Depot as if they worked there. <sighs> there is you somebody... Ask them a question, and they go, hold on, let me get somebody else. And they walk away. <laughs> right, and right. The, the joke is you on assume. you. There is... I guess um... I'll never get a Home Depot sponsorship after nine years. I guess I just cemented my fate. <laughs>
1: So yeah. <laughs> there's somebody at Home Depot who watches uh, my YouTube channel, but I don't know who it is because I've gone to Kencraft to go pick up wood and they're like, yeah, this person who works at Home Depot sees you in there all the time. And uh, and so anytime, it makes me weird when I go in there because I'm like, is it that person? Is it that person? And it doesn't matter, <laughs> like, but I still can't stop thinking about it. Maybe it's that guarantee person. It's that guy the, looks like he watches
2: this- YouTube. It's the person that just goes in the bathroom, pulls an apron out of their bag, puts it on, and just pretends to work in the store. <laughs> put all the bling on the on the straps so like they look like they really get all their stuff done on time. Mm.
0: <laughs> anyway, Jimmy, what have you been up to?
2: <laughs> Hanging out in Home Depot, trying to an- analyze what's going on.
0: <laughs> Analysize. is that a word? Analysize. it Hold is on. now. Sure. Is. Let me
2: put on my let me put on my orange vest. Hold on. Um what have I been doing I uh I did my CNC chicken coop this week which I knew wasn't going to be a, like a it wasn't going to be a viral video I knew that for sure but I did that specifically for a reason and I didn't want to show it in the video because I just didn't want all the chicken professionals to 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 break my to break my uh you know what I'm talking about they I didn't legs. want to yeah I didn't, I didn't want to break my legs the I made that chicken coop specifically so that I could I have a bunch of guineas uh a, a, a youtuber was kind of uh, another instagram was kind enough to send me a bunch of chickens and i was raising those chickens on instagram showing them a little bit and some of them die you know that's just the way it is when you get mail-in chickens you could order say 10 chickens they give you 15 because they know like five of them are gonna Mail die yeah so mail-order <laughs> chickens so- came to me huh. they come in bubble wrap yeah they come in <laughs> bubble wrap no, it's funny. So I went to the post office and they, they told me, hey, your chickens are here. So I, it's like, this is become, this town is becoming smaller and smaller. Like the post woman like pulls up to my workshop and she's like, you have chickens. The chickens are at the post office if you want. I just wanted to make sure you're here. I didn't want to bring them. So I go and get the chickens. and But you walk into the post office, which is like the size of like a container. And you hear the chickens immediately chirping and they come, here's your chickens. Good luck. And, you're like, and they're in a box with holes in them. So that was a few, that was like a month and a half ago. But I went in the other day to mail a letter. I think I was sending something to Jocko. And I go in and, and I hear the chickens chirping. I go, those aren't for me, are they? And she laughs. She goes, nope, nope. They're for somebody else. Because you hear them chirping behind the counter. <laughs> but funny. I made that coop so that I have guineas. And guinea hens don't like to stick around. They don't like to hang out with the coop. They, like they grow up and they walk away. They don't even grow up. They just like you put them in there hoping, like, okay, stay there, little fella. And then they just walk away. So... I put that coop in there to have the four hens guinea hens that I have to stay in there so they could acclimate to the group. So they're in the coop inside of the coop. So I want them to like get comfortable with the with everybody coming and going for the next couple of maybe maybe the week and then I'll let them out and see what's happening. But I also do need a coop so when I have a baby cuz we're also hatching babies. We only hatched one so far, but I have an incubator. So when those babies get big enough and I want to keep them separate from the, the adult chickens, I want to keep them in a coop that's easy to get in and out of. Because I, what I do is I raise them in these tubs. And the tubs, I always put tops on them. And then when the chickens get to a certain age, the minute you lift the top, they'll jump out. And if a baby chicken gets out, forget it. You'll never get it. And so that's the whole reason I made that coop is to really mainly to keep the guineas inside the big coop with the others so that they become acclimated to the room before I let them walk freely. But if I showed that, I would have got a chicken dissertation from all the chicken experts. <laughs> and you know, I feel like this is more of a friendly room. I could be honest here in this room with everybody here that listens, because you know, I might get I might get friendly advice. I won't get angry advice. That's the difference, right? I might yeah, get advice yeah. from somebody that listens that'll say, Hey, you know, when I do my chicken, even Annabelle Trade sent me a couple tips on how to keep the guinea hens in. And uh, so anyway, so that's why I made that. And I included a full almost 45 minute design experience of me doing it on Illustrator jammed into two minutes. I took those literally you guys know you could do you guys know this. But if you don't know, you can go with QuickTime Player and you record your activity on your computer screen. That's how a lot of YouTubers that show you how to do software stuff or record their entire screen so i re- recorded the entire 45 minute design experience and i just sped it up and i figured somebody can garnish something out of this even though it's super fast and i did get a lot of compliments of like oh so that's how you do that and that's how you do that and you know i while i was doing it my buddy steve was here and he was watching over my shoulder and he also is an illustrator but he does more artwork that gets printed And he's watching over my shoulder. I said, I'm basically doing woodwork with vectors right now. And he was watching me laughing. Like It's so weird that you like, I'll make a shape that is the size that I want. Say, for instance, the border of the chicken coop is three inches from the outside edge to the inside window, inside edge of the window. So I made a three inch block in every direction so I could drag it around and make sure that I have three inches spaces, you know, between the inner circle and then the outer circle. And then you take the inner circle and you literally cut it through the object people don't understand that unless you're an illustration nut you can make a compound path shift control eight make a compound path or just cut it through with the the pathfinder window so i was thinking about taking that 45 minute illustrated thing and doing like a patreon video of it literally just having it run at full speed and just talking over it it's going to be super boring and i'll only have three people watch it from beginning to end but i think i might do that it's a good resource to to show to because I get a lot of questions from friends that say hey I'm stuck I'm trying to do this thing in illustrator and then I have to go to my computer to figure out how I would do it because I do it kind of by by look and feel I don't necessarily know the names of everything so I I might do that when
0: you when you do um quick time screen capture it records your microphone as well I don't know if you know that or not but oh I didn't know you can yeah so you can actually just talk you know, next time you do that, oh yeah, just talk yourself through it, and then you're already kind of adding the voiceover. mean I can you know chop yeah. that a little bit and stuff. But yeah, I didn't know uh, that. that would actually save you time because when I do code walkthroughs for any of our projects, I do the same thing where I'll just like open it up and walk through and just kind of talk through what I'm seeing on the screen because I've already written it, so I've already it's already in my head, and I just talk through it top to bottom, and then we can put that on the second channel. So. You know i mean most people aren't going to watch it but eventually yeah. somebody will need to know something out of it and yeah like you said i mean somebody will find it useful eventually
2: yeah 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 it, yeah because like of- i said i'm always i I'm, i do it additive and subtractive so like if i have to make something like for instance i cut the, the holes for the hooks if you, if you guys have seen the video that make these hooks it's basically like a big bed frame where the two ends capture the two long sides and cutting out those holes to basically become the vector, some people would literally draw them pit, point by point. I make the shape and lay it over and then cut it through it. That's how I do almost everything. Or if I need to add a piece to it, I draw that shape and put it on it, and then combine it. So. You um,
1: you it took me a, it took me many years to find this tool. But instead of doing the the path subtract or add um, in the Pathfinder toolbox, there's a shape builder tool. So you draw all these shapes, and you just drag the shape builder tool over there, and it'll it'll, um, all those over where the, where the paths intersect will turn them into their own individual shapes and it could really speed up your time. Um, yeah, it's something, something you should look into. It's funny. I've been using illustrator and I think it's been over 20 years, which sounds insane. And I use, I use the same four or five tools and anytime there's this new upgrade, it doesn't matter to me because I still use the same tools. (laughs) I remember a while ago, they got rid of the uh the point minus and the point add tool i'm like where is this tool and now it's all in the same it's all in the same tool it just changes on the hover um but yeah it it, they keep expanding and adding all these crazy awesome features that i will never use because i use the same four or five tools
2: it's i remember when yeah. photoshop added like a three di- three dimensional aspect we yeah. could like kind of extrude yeah. type or something and i was like my buddy was showing me and i was sitting next to him and i was just thinking to myself i don't care i don't care i don't care and he's like then you, then you could do this i'm like i don't care i don't care in my mind i was doing like a carbon thing i don't care i don't care i don't care because i'm like i'll never use that i'll just use fusion or i'll just use maya i'll never use that to do that it's like completely pointless but i'm sure there are people that find it Absolutely necessary to have that tool incorporated into Photoshop. Which
0: But I mean in case you ever need to render clouds on three dimensional right. text in Photoshop, it's there, dude. <laughs> like I remember when they added that, I was like, Clouds? Really? Like that's a huh. Well, it's a good thing we're paying for the upgrades of all this software. Right. I, like, I just yeah, need I remember to- when the three D text stuff came out as well. And three D shapes. I think the big advantage there is for people that use After Effects that they could have three-dimensional shapes that go back and forth between Photoshop and After Effects files. Because I remember thinking the same thing, like, I'm not going to use that in any way. Um, I was doing something yesterday. I was building these kind of little little paint holders for little tiny bottles of paint, like model paints. And I went to Fusion because I've been spending so much time in Fusion, and all I needed was a two-dimensional shape to cut out on the laser. And I went into Fusion and built a 3D model of the thing. And it's a really simple object. But then I grabbed the face of the shape that I needed cut and exported that as a vector file. And it was funny because I've been using Fusion so much. We did the online course, and it's just been so, like, in my head lately. I didn't even think about the fact that I should just go to Illustrator and lay this out in two seconds because it was (laughs) a (laughs) two-dimensional shape. I just, you know, I spent... Two minutes. I mean, it still wasn't long, but I just bypassed a a, a really quick direct way to do it and kind of did it in an indirect way just because that's how my brain has been lately. Yeah. And it was kind of weird because I got to the end of it. And I'm like, well, I need to make some changes to it. Now that I have this 2D file, I'll open the 2D file in Illustrator and modify uh, it. I'm like, well, I should have just started there. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny, but it was kind of weird, you know, getting a roundabout way to like, oh, this is where I should have started. There's multiple ways to do everything, but I definitely spent more time on it than I <laughs>
2: really Isn't it weird? Time. Like, you know, the three of us, I think we're all on the same page as far as like apps and technology pretty much. But it's weird when we're at a gathering and we talk to somebody and we're like, all oh, I'm thinking to myself is how do you draw vectors? And they'll be like, oh, I use uh, this free app, uh I can't even think of anything, Lilypad. And that's how I draw all my vectors. I'm like, really? I feel so bad for you. Why don't you just get Illustrator? (laughs) Oh, Illustrator is $20 a month. I'm like, yeah, but if this is your business, it's like the best app that there is. I mean, in my opinion, a lot of people will use some free drawing app. And then there's a, I want to bring it up and ask you guys, I'm sure there's a way to do it in Illustrator, but do either of you guys use Vectrix? Vectrix, the design software?
0: I have. I have but not often, but
2: I have. The best feature in Vectrix, now it might be an Illustrator, but it just doesn't seem to be as simple. Vectrix, I remember Illustrator used to have the scissors. Does Illustrator still have the scissors? Didn't they get rid of the scissors? Because uh, uh, in Vectrix, if you draw three shapes and just have them piled on top of one another, three, three vector shapes, you can go into Vectrix with a pair of scissors and just snip away everything you don't want. So it's an easy way of combining shapes to come up with a new third shape. So you put two or three shapes together and then you, whatever that outside perimeter is, you can go in with the scissors and just delete all of the vectors that cross. As opposed to having to then go into an illustrator, you go into a pathfinder and then you select them and then you have them cut into pieces and then you get rid of them.
1: That's where your shape builder tool is going to come in. So let's say you have three circles and they're all overlapping each other, like in a yeah. almost a triangle form. And yep. you want them all to be one or you want you know to combine a couple of those. You just take this Pathfinder tool and you just drag and you draw a line, whatever ones that you want connected. And then it'll automatically right. connect them. And now that is his own shape. And then you can go and delete all your other shapes. It'll save you so much time.
2: All right. I got to try what oh. yep. What is it called? It's called Path Generator? Uh, um what did I just say <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh shape builder tool
2: it's called
0: shape builder path generator yes, yes exactly shape
1: shape nailed
2: it Where, and which menu
1: is it under um it looks like a weird pencil with uh um it's uh, one of the tools with like bandages wrapped around it I don't know yeah it's it's one of the it's one of the it's a weird looking huh. tool I don't know why okay. it looks like the way it does
2: shape builder pencil band now. <laughs>
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, so for the past week or so, I've had a bunch of individual little projects kind of in progress. And so I wrapped up a couple of them the other day, but one of them was a, uh, I made a, a weight bench a couple weeks ago. And then this past week I made a weight rack. And so a rack to hold our barbells for our, our garage gym. <clears throat> so it holds our barbells and the plates that go on the barbells. I was trying to come up with, there's all sorts of cheap things that you can buy online to hold the weights and stuff, and you could just stack them on the ground, honestly. But I was trying to come up with some way to be able to stack them up, stand them up like a dish rack, but make it so that they're not all leaning on every, like not all of them are leaning together, you know? Because you have a whole bunch of weights in a a thing all leaning together, and you need to get one out of the middle, you right. have to move all the weight of all the other ones. They need
2: to be separate. Yeah. Somehow. So
0: it, I came up with all sorts of really complicated ideas, and then ended up, in the interest of time, to go in with a kind of simple idea, and it actually worked really well. It's basically just a little triangular stand that goes in between them, so that when these are big eighteen uh, inch circle plates. And so when they lean over, their center point, which close to their center point, is leaning on the apex of a little triangle brace. And so it's just a prop, just enough to keep it standing up. And underneath this triangle, there's some feet that stick out. And so the weight themselves are on the feet to stop it from tipping, and it's leaning over on this apex. And it's like it's a simple shape, but it totally works. And it was just funny because it was one of those things I'm like, well, I know there's a more complicated, probably more efficient way to do it. And then I ended up with, you know, the simplest thing that I could think of, and it worked out really well. So that's kind of what I've been working on. It was, it was a fun experiment. Um, and I did another cool experiment that I'll tell you about next week. Probably. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, I don't know. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how, um, I was just not super motivated and was having trouble, like, kind of getting things to really start moving. And something happened last week, and I'm not really sure what it was, but my brain just went into, like, overdrive. And I sat down... Well, I I was talking about it last week, how I I had this idea, and then that gave me another little idea that was kind of related and another little idea. And so now I have this list of stuff that I just really want to try out. And most of it is stuff I've never done before. Most of it is, you know, tools to to be able to do another thing better. And so now I'm just, like, working as fast as I can to get this stuff done, to get it, Mm. like, in the real world. And it's a really... Uh, it's a really different feeling than I had a week, two weeks ago, but it's also really kind of exhilarating to, you know, to be super motivated, to have the things, to have what I need to do them. I just gotta like, there's just not enough hours and i don't know it's kind of an interesting feeling
2: i think when uh when you you get in those depressive modes you know all of us as human beings get in that mode where we feel like maybe there's nothing to do anymore or whatever i that's a good opportunity to like go for a walk or just do something different and just kind of have faith that this will pass you know Mm -hmm. like just like moods and you know uh, just things come and go if you're not feeling it for that moment you just gotta just tinker play around with something else and or just literally leave the workshop, go read. I've been walking a lot lately at night. I do these long walks. It helps me think and clear out the ideas and come up with new ideas because I'm forced to think. It's almost like sitting on an airplane, you know, that moment when you have nothing to do, mm-hmm. nobody to talk to, can't listen to your phone. So you, you're you forced to do a little bit of a brain dump. It's the same thing when I go for a long walk. And you just you just got to have faith that it's just a moment in time. You know, when you, when you're feeling, when you're feeling like you might have writer's block to whatever extent that is for everybody else, you know, for everybody individually, what that writer block means to you, it's just, it's going to pass. Especially, especially if you force yourself to be in the environment to help you have it pass. Right.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's a definitely a good step. It was interesting after I said that, that I was kind of stuck on that episode. I got a message from another creator friend of ours. I don't want to like call him out, but Um, and they basically just had said, I'm in the exact same place. And it was good to hear that I'm not the only person stuck right now. And, you know, it's a condition of the world, it's a condition of our job. It's just, it's just the way things are sometimes. Um, but it was encouraging both for them and for me to hear like, oh, we're not the only ones right now who are just feeling a little like me, you know?
2: A, a funny thing is like people always say to me, cause I, I do a lot of Instagram stories lately, maybe too many, but a lot of people say, uh, oh wow, you're so busy. But like in between a lot of what's important that I show is me just trying to get past that creative block by playing around and mm-hmm. just experimenting. So I might have an emotional attachment to some things and other things and me just trying to get through an emotional, not really. I keep saying emotional, but I really mean it's creative block. And that's me just forcing myself to dilly-dally with something that isn't necessarily something I'm feeling heartfelt about. But as I get into it, I'm like, oh, you know what? Oh, this gives me this cool net result. This is fun. Let me show it. So when people see me being super busy all the time, you know, about 40% of it is me just trying to jumpstart creativity, not necessarily passionately digging into something. Hmm. So I think I set
1: up too many roadblocks mentally for my my own self. Um, Like I... It just feels like I'm in this weird transitional phase. And I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like, I'm... Um, bored is not the right word. Uh, but I woodworking is getting to a point where it's like... I'm not... It's not uh, fulfilling. You know, it's not creating that, that... I can't wait to get out into the shop. So, I know... It, it feels like the the direction the the aha moment the the amazing idea is like right there at the tip of my tongue but i can't but it's it's not it's not coming out but it's so close to be in there and i've had mm. i have this feeling for quite a while now and i just know like as soon as i have this unique aha moment that's just going to send my career off into this new direction and it's going to be amazing and i'm going to be super motivated again and and everything is going to be fine and I just don't want to do ordinary woodworking things anymore and the problem is it's like if i come up with this creative idea i set up these little roadblocks like yeah but that's that's going to take three weeks to make that's going to be a lot of work or that uses a technique that you don't know yet and then i'm like and then i just push it off and then then i go back i'm like oh today we're gonna make a box you know and then <laughs> um, it, and it's all yeah. this mental games that i play with myself and I. Do you just need to sometimes just push it aside and, and dive in, like Jimmy was saying, and just start, start doing stuff until that, that, that feeling
0: comes back? So w- similarly to that, I've found that there's, there's several things that, and I've talked about this many times, there's several things that I want to do that are big, that are just like, like the A-frame cabin is the first one that comes to mind. When I think about that as a, as a whole – as an object that is done is there. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. It's something I want. Our family would enjoy it. It would be great. And then when I start to think about the specifics of actions that it would take to get there, I'm like, well, you know, it's like there's framing and there's drywall and there's, I've done that stuff. Like I can get through that. And then I go back another, and I'm like, well, but then there's like electrical layout and like I can wire things, but I don't know the correct way to actually lay out the electricity in a house. So, I'll have to get some help with that. And then I go back another little step and I'm like, yeah, but what about the, what about the footings for a house? Like I, I have no clue. And then I'm like, well, what about the actual structural parts of this and that? And then I start to get really overwhelmed and that's when I, my brain goes, well, you know, it would have been cool. Like it, it'll maybe a someday kind of thing. So what I, I came to recently, hang on, what I came to recently was I found a set of plans And I know that there are plans for houses. People make plans for houses and sell the plans so people can make the houses from them, right? I get that. I hadn't actually thought about that as a stopgap, as a way to get past the parts that I'm afraid of. This may not be directly translatable to what you're talking about, but I kind of identified the part of that entire process that I was totally uncomfortable with, that I would second guess every single decision I would make. I wouldn't really know where to start. And I found that if I find plans for a house that I really like and pay the three, four hundred bucks for a set of plans, that jump starts the entire thing. That takes all the guesswork out of the, the fundamental foundational stuff in that endeavor. And then I can focus on the things that I actually care about and that I think I have skill in. You know, the finishing and the decoration and the turning it that plan into a place for my specific family. So, maybe, you know, in what you're saying, maybe there's uh, some ideas you have that the ramp up to get them going maybe seems too hard or too long or whatever. Maybe there's something that can help kickstart that outside of you just to get the grunt work, just to get the hurdles removed. I don't know what that is. And so, maybe that's not a helpful thing to say. But. When you said that, it was like, yeah, I felt that too. Like there's a thing out there that would be super cool that I just can't quite get to because of the unknowns between here and there. And I think there are ways in a lot of cases to get rid of those unknowns or to, or to help along by reaching outside of what we have, like in our own skill set or in our own experience. Get some other people in, get some other ideas in, get some other skill sets in just to help us get moving you know and then kind of take it over yourself and make it your own thing
1: it's almost like i'm looking for um more roadblocks just just to put up like oh the shop's a mess or i i moved the little bandsaw and so it doesn't have dust collection hooked up to it yet and that's going to take a lot of work so i can't do this thing because that thing is not ready yet and i it's i just keep doing that over and over again
2: I think as as creatives, we do that constantly. We're constantly seeing like, I know what I have to do, but you don't want to do it. So you just force yourself to do some excuse until you absolutely have to jump in and get get down to business. But uh, I've said it a million times, and i got to figure out how to put it on a T-shirt. But when it comes to doing big projects, like, I want to build this rowboat, and I'm having the same thought process where I'm like, I think of the whole thing at once. Like, what is the very first thing that has to get done? Like, Bob, when you build a house, what's the first thing you have to get done is build a foundation, you know, dig landscape or rather, uh, excavate the site, figure out where the footings go. So just focus on that. And then when you can't focus on that anymore, what's the next step? The sill plates or laying out the plumbing or lay, you know what I mean? You really just got to like stop. You, you have like a long-term goal, but you really just focus as best as you can on each individual step in order and that helps me focus on the project. And then it's like when I edit, like every time I sit at the computer and I go to edit, I'm like, my, my brain just says, okay, just do two minutes. Just add two minutes to this timeline. And I just go and then I'm working on, I'm just, sol- I'm working on that solid next two minutes. I don't know what the ending's really going to be. I don't have beauty shots yet. I'm just working on that next solid two minutes. And then all of a sudden I'm five minutes in, I have five solid minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, that's plenty of time. I can comfortably take a break from this now. Or I feel like, oh, wow, I had this hours of footage now, and I've just gotten through 40% of it. I don't have to worry about it. It's like all of a sudden you get over the bump and like, oh, wow, you know, I've gotten all these different parts done because I've just focused on each individual step instead of worrying about every single thing about it at the same time. So, If you,
1: just a quick question. When you're editing video, do you ever find yourself, let's say you throw the way I work is I just throw everything into the timeline and there might be an hour of footage and I'm trying to get that down to 10 to 15 minutes. I do that. I just chop it up. I put
2: it in sequential order so I know where it is.
1: Yeah. And so as I'm editing, I might get like three quarters of the way through and I just flew through it. I'm like, I am on a good pace. But instead of continuing that last 25%, I go and rewatch everything that I just did. And then that slows me way down. I'm like, I should not stop to go rewatch. What I need to yeah. do is just continue to the end.
0: Yeah. I think, um, making like complete passes. I think it's more productive for me. It's more productive to make complete passes. Start to finish. That's just like chopping off the, we've talked about this a million times, checking off the begins and the ends of every clip, the ins and outs, you get it down to the action. Then you go back and tighten the action front to back, you know, start to finish and then you go back and start adding music, and that modifies the thing. So, like I do passes from beginning to end anytime I edit something. But these days I don't edit as much, and I'm glad because the other guys are just better at it than I am. So that's nice. Um, I was going to say something about, um, you know, like the the big projects and the timing. We've talked about this at length as well. But you you mentioned this, like it's sometimes those things in your head that you want to do are going to take too long. And I still think this is something that is no matter how often I've talked about it, no matter how much I try to get myself mentally around it, the pace of YouTube, the pace of what we do for a living is still a problem for me because it it's like this weird voice that comes into every single project and gives it an opinion that I don't want. <sighs> Everything I think of, I'm like... Well, this would be really cool, but it's going to require me to do this and to do this and to do... Those things sound interesting. I'll, I'll get to learn a lot by doing all those things. And then this super annoying person voice comes in and says, yeah, but you have to do a new video every week. And that just makes it go like, yeah, you're right. Like, I can't... I you just gotta, can't you, invest. I,
2: you just... You can have and, like... And it would be... Just like blocks. You just add a block to it. So, if you have like, for instance, the boat project, which I'm going to start eventually... It's not going to be a week long project It's going to be six months at the very least. I have to mill all the wood. I, you know, I don't have any like for the last time I got all the wood. This time I will not have the wood. I just literally have a roll of paper plans, and you just got to do a couple hours a week. That's it. And then you know, yeah. eventually that'll be done. And then it's it's it. Obviously, we all have busy schedules, but you got to ask yourself. It's like buying a you know another new thing on financing and say, all oh, right, can I can I handle another hundred dollars a month? Kind of handle another two hours a week just putting it into this project it's just like you got to divide your time up like you divide up your you know your uh, your credit your time is your credit can i can i afford another two hours a day or hmm. and two or three hours a week to this project that will eventually get paid off with a really cool video that's i call those my epic videos like 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 the gun restoration that that i got 13 million views on that's like an epic video because that took me like three months to restore that stupid gun and the canoe video yeah. is another epic video. Those ones that go on in the background where there's no like the. Ki-
0: see, I like think the, that's good. That's one of the things for me, though, is that I don't have a clear understanding or maybe it's a confidence thing to know that if I put long term effort into Project X, you know, a couple hours a week in the background and I film it all and I take the time to document it. I don't have any proof that that's going to pay off. You have r 2 be behind you. I exactly. I have R2D Two <laughs> that I like, but the videos don't do well. Who cares? And so that's uh, well no uh, well hang on a second. That's <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not gonna make it, but right. I can't prioritize it. Right? right. I can't I can't make it a thing that goes ahead of other stuff, even though I would love to spend all of my time on R2D Two until it was done. I'd love to put everything else aside. But I know that those videos don't perform as well as I would like them to. And so they can't carry the weight of the business. They can't carry the weight of the yeah. salaries that I have to pay and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, these long-term, that that voice, that annoying, like, well, you have to keep producing is there from a practical, we have salaries to pay and bills to pay kind of perspective. And the, the things that I want to do don't have an immediate, like, um, well, obviously this video is going to, like, do killer and it's going to end up paying for the time it takes the stuff that i've made is not it's not the epic stuff it's not the things that get a million views in a day or whatever
2: i have a theory that i that i i don't necessarily it's not necessarily conscious but it's really only just come to me while we're talking for instance when i i did the i did this restoration of this antique gun that i bought at a yard sale and it's got 13 million views and I talked about it a lot. I gave it a lot of energy while I was working on it here and there on in Instagram. And then when the video finally came out, it obviously did well, but it is a subject that does well on YouTube in general. My canoe video is another one where I talked about it a lot while I was working on it. It took me almost seven months to build a, the boat from beginning to end. and Working on that and giving it the energy and the importance and suddenly it starts to take on a life of its own. like, I built a canoe that I never ever really as I like, could do like, I, there was so many aspects of it that I I fretted because I just didn't expect I was going to be able to do it well because I've seen so many other people do it well but mm-hmm. then but I just like you know what just keep pushing through just keep pushing through so, I guess the bigger point I'm trying to make is this, is that you give it energy, even though it's always happening in the background. You're doing it to R2D2. Everybody that meets you at every event probably is like has R2D2 doing. But you're not anticipating that final video because you don't think it's going to do well because you think it's like a too narrow of a market. But I guarantee you, the energy and the I want to say the you know the public relations aspect of having that going on in the background, it's building and building. The drama's building, even though it's building so. Slightly and so mutely in the background, it's building. It's building. And it's like hmm. one day it's gonna be like, oh, Bob's Final R2 D2 videos out, and the, which encapsulates the beginning to the very end. It's a 30-minute video. That video is gonna do well because of the energy you've given it hmm. by making hmm. it making it an epic, and that's why I call it an epic video. Like like when I built my yeah. padlock a couple years ago, which is another video that's done a few million views. And any one of the videos that I've given like an epic in my mind, I've like framed it as an epic video. And I used to say it to Brett all the time, I'm like, I gotta make an epic video of this and I am, that's gonna be like I, I do like a chicken coop, which is like takes me one day to build and everyone's like, use the same save. So that's not an epic video. That's like that's almost like a necessity. You know, that's like something that's oh, let me show you a couple of cool, clever tricks. Out of that video, everyone's like, Oh my god, I never thought of gluing a piano hinge in place and then screwing it on later. I do that all the time. I put that in five videos. And whenever I do put it in a video, people are always like, oh my God, that's the best trick. I never saw that before. So like, I could make a video about me seeing seeing a chicken coop, which the video took some time. I mean, it took almost two full days of work just to design and think it through and everything and edit it. But I can always put a couple of little Easter eggs in it that I know are going to get people's attention. Or I could take six, seven months to build a canoe and make a 35-minute video that gets 5 million views. I didn't know it was going to get 5 million views, but one thing when I did that video, I looked at all the other canoe videos on YouTube and what drove me nuts, which usually drives me nuts. Anytime there's multiple pieces to a long-term video. I like, Oh, I I just, I want one in, I want one package that I could look at any part of that package. I want one video. That's an hour long. I could find what I wanted instead of searching for part four, part six, part eight, where I do the tunnels, where I do the, just put it all in one box and let me go through the box and find it. So that's why I think one thing I did with my canoe videos, I made it all one video. Instagram, everything else got the little nibble, nibble pieces. One video turns into like one epic. It's like watching a comedy special in a way. You know, it's something we can all relate to. It's all there hmm. in one spot.
0: I was asking on on uh, Twitter last week, because I was thinking a lot about this, um, what people, and I wasn't asking this to change what I'm doing. I was just curious if I had, if my assumption was correct. If people watched YouTube videos, um, more for the, uh, practical r- kind of real world type stuff that they may want to include in something that they're building, or if they just like the entertainment of over the top type things. Cause you look at somebody like Colin Furs and I don't know of anybody who has ever replicated one of his builds. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's happened, but, but you know what I mean? Like, why would you, but they're amazing. He's awesome. And the videos are fantastic. And so it, it has its own, uh, reason for being that, that type of content. And which is not the reason that I make our video, or we make our videos. And the reason that I want to do the projects, it's just a different purpose, a different intent and everything. Um, But then I I got to thinking about it and I'm wondering if, if, how do I say this? If I don't use that practicality as a defense mechanism, like I got to wondering if, if it's easy for me to be like, well, this video didn't do super well because it's practical and it's just not going to get, it's not going to get the eyeballs that a big, crazy, you know, more outlandish video would do. And that's okay because it has like a long-term use factor. And I think that is true but I also wonder if I'm using that as a defense mechanism for something didn't perform well. And so I'm leaning in my own mind on, well, it's just, it's too practical to be like, you know, eye catching. And then that got me kind of like, well, hmm, like, what do I do about that? Do I lean into the fact that typically our videos are not going to be huge number of videos, which is, that's kind of always been the case. Do I lean into that? Just accept that, that, you know, we're building a, a catalog of things that are useful and over time they will have purpose in individual people's lives, which is that's that's the reason that I'm doing all this stuff. So I'm happy to settle in that. And, and you know, but at the same time, there's part of me that like I really want people to see the things that we spend time doing. And if it doesn't get out, then like how wh- where's the middle ground of publication of getting things out, but not making things intentionally over the top just for the sake of getting I don't, them in front of I people because then that undermines the practicality
2: i don't think you have to make things over the top i think you just have to do well i'm not saying you have to do anything but i'm saying i don't think you have to think of things over the top look at the videos you've done i'm going to use your catalog you've done the kitchen rest of uh, the bathroom restoration Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you, that, didn't you, you were like hitting them out of the park with that whole series, you know, with all those videos that you were doing for Lowe's, all those like big, giant bites. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and like, it, it almost like you needed that, 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 that excuse to work for somebody that was, you know, mm-hmm. giving you, basically giving you entitlement to be big. And you did all these mm-hmm. great videos that did well. And now you're not, there's not somebody giving you that entitlement to go big. And you're, receding back to a week at a time or you know something that's not going to yeah. be a long-term thing so you this is this is the, ep- the title of the episode let yourself go big there you go mm. don't wait so for someone I to had- tell
0: you it's okay to go big huh. yeah i was going to call it a chicken dissertation because i really like to like that
2: but- <laughs> <laughs> But you see what I'm saying? You know, like, yeah, you didn't have that voice because the voice wasn't telling you not to go big. It was telling you, we need you to go big because you're given the, the budget yeah. to go big and you're given the right to go big. And now you don't have anybody telling you that. So you're you're being a little timid.
0: That's a good point. And you're you're probably right. I, I, it I it think, happens you know, to me,
2: too. Like when I get a big client and I know they're going to pay me well, I'm like, let's do this. And when yeah. I'm like, no one's paying me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this little project. I'm going to do a chicken coop. It's only going to take me a day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because I mean, I, I think the the smaller things and you know the the more uh, personal projects, the things that I make for myself to do other projects, are things that are interesting to me. And I, I, it's not like I'm only doing those because they fit into a timeline, but the timeline is a weird gate that says like. You know, is this thing that's on my mind going to fit within can I do it in a reasonable amount of time so that the risk is low the risk for the return is low and I think that's the big thing that I'm coming to is I'm looking at that risk threshold as to how much time I'm going to put into it as to what I'm going to get back from it and I need to figure out a way to adjust what that threshold is And, and maybe not like always adjust it but be able to adjust it Uh, for like this thing, you know, I really care about this project and it's going to take a while and I'm just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. My timeline is out the window for a while, for a few months or whatever, you know, and I need to figure out how to, to get that to be able to fluctuate a little bit, I think. And maybe, David, maybe, you know, as you're putting in some of your roadblocks in front of yourself, maybe there's something similar to that for you. It's maybe not the same thing but a, a threshold that you need to be able to kind of like shift a little bit so yeah. you can get those ideas out.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's <clears> – <throat> I think it has to do a lot with success. I've done all these these types of videos. They've always worked or they usually work, and and I want to get out of that, but it's that risk-reward thing. And mm. even though it's not – and we all know it's not that big of a risk. It's just, it's all in our head. The whole That's thing true. is in Absolutely. our head. And I mean, we, all of us are in a very, very fortunate position. We could all take two months off and come back and we would be fine. You know, we, mm-hmm. we'd we come back with that, that big project and everything would be back to normal. Um, so the risk is not, it's not that big. It's just, just getting out of your own head and like just listening to you guys talk and just talking out loud um definitely helps because instead of me just having this stupid conversation in my head throwing up more roadblocks i'm hearing solutions you know so hopefully i can take this and hopefully other people that listening to this are also can relate you know maybe they're not making videos but maybe they're trying to do this thing for their home or for make something for a loved one or, or whatever and they can relate and then get over these little hurdles that we put in front of ourselves.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think like, honestly, the people that the three of us and the people that do what we do are in a position that is so fortunate that we can justify making all sorts of things that a person who doesn't make content, like it's way harder to justify putting money into materials and into time that doesn't, it will not return financial gain. Like, you make something because you care about it, but you can't put it on YouTube or you don't put it on YouTube. The only thing you get back from that is good feelings. And that's (laughs) awesome. But, like, yeah, but, man, that's even harder than, far harder than, I think, what we have to deal with when we're trying to get through the process of making a thing. So, yeah. Um, We are all in a very, very fortunate position from that perspective. So, yeah. Um, But we didn't really have a topic... And I guess that's fine. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this? Any other takeaways or like?
2: I think, uh, to in summation, and I this isn't something I thought of before we started talking, so I'm glad it came to me. You got to give those big projects the energy so that you'll get the return that you want or expect. That's mm. part of it, and then also just really follow your gut. If you want to make an R2D2 that's going to take two years to build, just do it because the love and passion that goes into what it is that you love will translate into you know i'm doing air quotes views or whatever return you want you Mm -hmm, know right i don't think it's like and and you're obviously going to spend that much time on something because you love it and the you know the amount of things you'll learn is like is immeasurable if the video doesn't do well so what you know, like all these videos that we do and the projects we do are like potato chips, every once in a while you're gonna get one that's been burned a few times in the bat. And you're gonna spit it out and be like, Oh, well, let me get the next one. And that one yeah, oh, that one's good. So where, you know where do you hmm. pull out these <laughs> like the I had a couple of chip? bad Doritos this week. Oh man <laughs> But right after that bad one that I spit into the parking lot of my shop down the block, there was a good one. Perfect one, no broken corners, it was awesome. That's beautiful. That is that
1: is art. So what just came out of your mouth is art. I'm laughing at myself. That's funny.
0: Well, David, any more thoughts for you on this?
1: Uh, no, I just I'm gonna get out of my head eventually. That's nice. That's about it.
0: Cool. Well, um, I already think our Patreon supporters, so we're not gonna do that. So we're gonna jump right into what we want to recommend. And I already have one this week, so I'll go first. Oh. You guys have time to find oh. something. I got one already. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't have something to pick very often, so I'm proud of it. Um, this one is uh, our buddy James, and he's one of the, I Like to Make Stuff uh, Maker Alliance members, so I've gotten to know him a little bit over our hangouts and stuff. But he has a new podcast called Random Fandom, and I was on the podcast Um and they just put out the first episode, but basically what they did is they recorded, I think 10 interviews with people. So they've put out the first one, maybe the first two, but they've got the first 10 stacked up and ready to come out. So every week there will be more coming out and it's the whole point of the podcast. um, So he, he's a, is an art director and his co-host is a animator and designer and stuff. I think, And so they have worked on a lot of really um, popular, well-known projects, visual projects of of all different types that you would know. So their podcast is about how your creative um, endeavors are the accumulation of all the different things that you've learned. So learning this little skill over here, basically all the stuff that we do. And so they talk about where all that came from and how you – you know how you how you build up your skills over time to to do the thing that you're doing right now, and so it's it was a really interesting conversation, a little bit different than most of the podcast interviews that I've done. Uh, and I haven't heard the other episodes yet; I just know the one that that I did with him. But the people that he's talked to, that he told me that they have interviewed, it sounds really interesting because they're talking to all sorts of producers and artists and all these different people that work in in really big stuff. And so you should definitely check it out. Um, he's a good guy. And and I think it's probably going to be a good show that I'm going to be listening to a lot. So random fandom podcast.
2: That, uh, that reminds me of, I think I might have talked about it. I know I did, but it, uh, I have a different recommendation. But I'm going to bring up Quarantine Creatives. Heath Rossella is the guy who was producing Ask This Old House. And he's the one who put me on Ask This Old House three or four times. He has a podcast called... Quarantine creatives, and it's all producers from news agencies, YouTube. I was on as a YouTuber. He interviewed Nick, so that's quarantine creatives. But my real recommendation is uh, Mark Norman, who's a very funny comedian. I've been watching around New York for the last ten years. He put out his own special. He didn't wait to get paid. He did it as a passion project. He put it on YouTube. It's two hours. So no, it's an hour long comedy special that's really well produced. He did it himself and. It's already getting millions of views so you know it's a type of it's it looks like something that would be right on Netflix for you know he would have gotten paid millions of dollars but instead <laughs> he put it on his own he put it out on his own and it's just it's it's a it's a great time we live in where someone can just publish their own thing and get mm-hmm. rewards from fans and put it out themselves they don't have to wait for the gatekeeper to decide that it's good enough so check out Morgan. he's a very 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 professional comedian he just He's a a very funny guy. I've seen him at the Comedy Cellar a few times over the years. He's super funny. And now he he actually opens up for Jerry Seinfeld. He's like Jerry Seinfeld's main opener whenever Jerry does shows. Because he's clean and he's very practical like Jerry Seinfeld. They have have a very similar approach to comedy. We saw Jerry
1: Seinfeld a few months ago. um, And this older gentleman opened up for him. Um, Probably wasn't the dude that you're talking about, but...
2: No, no, Mark Norman's like your age. No, Mark Norman's like 36, 37. Oh, okay. Do you remember the guy who opened for him, what his name was? I don't remember, no.
1: It's uh, Yeah, you're, you're right. It is a great time. Anybody could write music, put out an album, release a book, a comedy special. It's like you can do whatever you want. Now the playing field has been has been leveled. You don't need a, a big publishing company or a record label to, to push you anymore. Um, my recommendation is kind of a boring one because I've recommended this channel before. <laughs> uh but I also haven't watched many making or construction or creative type videos on uh, the past week. So, I'm going with Dan Levy on on the Hot Ones. Dan Levy, he's I he's he's on the the TV show Schitt's Creek and it's one of my favorite shows ever. It's so good. And Dan is one of the writers, and I just love this guy. And um, so Hot Ones, they've been filming not in the studio, but because of quarantine and, and all that. Uh, so he's filming it and his home, and I just want to hang out with this dude. He's so fun. So that is my pick, and I do want to correct myself, even though I probably have already received emails and tweets. Jimmy asked what the Shape Builder tool looked like. I was describing the wrong tool. The tool I was trying uh. to... To describe was the smooth tool, the shape builder tool is actually two circles with a line in between there. So I've uh, uh, I've corrected myself.
2: So is that, that right. it, Bob? For shame, Bob. Look at my camera. Uh, is that it?
0: I don't know if that's it or not.
2: Because that name like that, that name comes up several times in the search. Mm,
0: gotcha. All right. Well, um, you guys got anything else for this week? Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Mm.
1: Love you, thank you.